Good afternoon. Welcome to Bible Quest, New York City, New Jersey, Philly edition. Um, with with me, me is, uh, well, I heard myself twice there, uh, just for a second. I think we had a little feedback loop. With me today is Joe Works, as usual, from Fairlawn, New Jersey. Good afternoon, Joe. Joe. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. You know what? I know where that feedback loop is coming from, come to think of it. That's coming from me. Let me get rid of that before I introduce everybody else here. And that will be an improvement. I also <clears throat> need to get rid of the, well, we're okay there. So Drew, Drew, uh, Drew uh, DeGrado is going to join us here in just a minute. He was saying there were some technical difficulties yesterday on the Tuesday webcast. Uh, looks like I'm having some today myself. All right. I think I've gotten rid of the problem there. So Chase Byers is also with us. Good afternoon, Chase. Good afternoon, Jeff, Joe, Drew. Good to see you all. And uh, Drew up in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Uh, so uh, so we got a full house today. And Noah, Web, uh, Noah Andrews is our webcast engineer. You know, we're going to be talking today about forgiveness, um, about Jesus being the way. Uh, some very important things. There are a lot of religious people in the world who think that they're, uh, they're all right. They're good people. They're going to go to heaven because after all, they're not Hitler, they're not Saddam Hussein, they're not, um, I can't think of the guy, Osama bin Laden. Uh, so they're good people, they're gonna go to heaven. There's something missing in that thinking and that is we need forgiveness and what's that about? So we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes, but first we wanted to talk a little bit about this new congregation that got started, uh, oh, how long ago, Chase, over in Harrisburg, Oh, well, it all started about a year and a half ago with uh, one member over from Gettysburg Church of Christ, and he introduced his mother to the gospel, and she was living in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and uh, a couple of the men from Gettysburg came over and started studying with her and baptized her, and she is blind and in her 80s, and so shortly thereafter, they started coming over to her on Sundays, and as far as they knew, she was the only uh, Christian in Harrisburg, and so they started a work there. A few months after that, there was a family from Boston, Massachusetts that moved down uh, to help start with the work. Um, the husband, he's a chemical engineer, so he, he was um, well within his ability to, to kind of relocate because that job is, is good to find in uh, a lot of different places in the country. And then from there, uh, I moved up here to help with the work. And Stephen Rouse, who some of you might know from the Tuesday webcast, moved up here and his first day with us was May 1st. So him and I are some of the full-time or the two full-time evangelists here. And we've also just had two families place membership with us that moved here, one from North Carolina uh, and another one from Tucson, Arizona. And so we've just had a lot of uh, good growth with some good brethren. And that's exciting. That's, yeah. that's really exciting. Um, you know, I didn't realize I met the lady who was baptized that you were talking about. I think the first Sunday you were there, I was over there and, and met her on that occasion. I did not realize her son is someone down at Gettysburg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tony DiPrizito. Oh, okay. I had not made that connection. Okay. Well, so I guess he was there that Sunday I was there. Yep, that's right. Okay. All right. Great. So where are you meeting in Harrisburg, Jason? Right. Yeah, right now we meet at the East Shore YMCA on, uh, in downtown Harrisburg. Uh, there's a little meeting room in there. We can fit about 40 to 50 people in there. Um, but on an average Sunday, we have about 20. And our Bible class is at 2 o'clock, and our worship assembly starts at 3 o'clock. 
And then on Wednesday nights, we have seven o'clock Bible study at that same location. All right. So, um, it, you know, we call this the Bible Quest, the New York City, New Jersey, Philly edition. Um, Harrisburg is not in New York City. It's not in New Jersey. It's not in Philly. Uh, it is in central Pennsylvania. I guess, strictly speaking, it's south central Pennsylvania, isn't it, Chase? Uh, yeah, it would actually be a little bit closer to the east than, than what a lot of people think, because we're still three hours away from Pittsburgh and about an hour and a half from Philadelphia. So you're in the middle of nowhere. Pretty much. <laughs> no, Harrisburg is the capital of uh, Philadelphia. So if you are anywhere in central, south central Pennsylvania. Uh, so some, Jeff, some would even say it's the capital of all of Pennsylvania. What, what did I say? <laughs> the capital of Philadelphia. What did I say? The capital of Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Well, I, that might be an improvement. I don't know. All right. <laughs> well, let's let's get to our topics today. Oh, did you give your meeting times, Chase, when you meet Sundays? Yeah, I did. I did. I'm sorry. I was distracted. I, we had a little technical glitch again. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, forgiveness. And let's just throw this question out there. If, and, and those of you who are watching either by means of uh, BibleQuest.tv or by means of the Facebook page, you can give us your comments, questions on the Facebook page. You just put your question or comment there in the comment section. Noah Andrews, our webcast engineer, will get them to us. You might want to answer this question. If I keep the Ten Commandments, if I'm a good person, I'm nice to my neighbors, I, I love my neighbors, um, am I going to go to heaven? And let's start with that. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Drew, are you a nice person? Oh, uh, it depends on who you talk to, but I would, I would like to think I'm a nice person. So does that mean Drew's going to heaven, people? Uh, Joe, uh, how many times have you run into somebody who says, well, I, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in church, but I am spiritual. I am spiritual. And, I think uh, the last time I ran into it was yesterday afternoon. Uh, yeah, okay. And so what did the person think about that? Well, I was uh, trying to get a Bible study with somebody uh, that had called me, and uh, uh, she was not interested really in talking too much about the Bible study, but I wasn't going to let her off the hook so easily and uh, uh, tried to suggest that maybe the reason she'd called me was that she needed a Bible study, needed to, to get close to the Lord. And she said, well, I go to church. And I said, well, that's great then. You know, that's we have something in common. We ought to let's study together over the phone or Skype. And she says, no, 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 I, I don't I don't want that. Uh, and so, you know, she had this element of religion or spirituality, this slice of her of her pie life. Um, and, and that's all that she wanted. That was enough for her. Probably thought all she thought she needed. Uh, exactly. Chase. Um, have you run into people who say, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. Have you ever run into that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And on top of that, instead of uh, saying, you know, well, I'm already quite spiritual, I hear, well, I'm already religious is another part. Mm -hmm. I and, and they think that's going to get them to heaven. And I'll tell you something. There are people, you know, what the Bible teaches is we are, we. what did Jesus say to the rich man, the rich young ruler who said, what must I do? To, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What was the first thing Jesus said to him? What do the scriptures teach? Well, even before that, oh, he asked him a question. Why do you call me? What do you say? Why do you call me good? Call no me good. None, none is good but God. There's no one good but God. None of us are in it. It's a binary proposition. 
it's not a scale of, well, if you're kind of toward the right end of the scale, you're probably going to go to heaven, the scale being between good and evil. No, it's a binary proposition. Am I good or am I guilty of sin? And yeah, comparing each one of us to uh, each one of us, we can say, well, you know, Chase is a really good guy. Um, Joe is, is pretty good. Jeff, eh, you know, we can do that kind of thing. But none of us on a, in a binary way are good and therefore able to inherit eternal life, to be with God for all eternity, because the fact is we've sinned and God is sinless and cannot tolerate sin. And uh, what the Bible talks about not being saved by works, right? That, sorry, say that again. Doesn't the Bible talk about not being saved by works? Oh, absolutely. Where does the Bible talk about not being saved by works? Well, you, the passage that usually people will go to is Ephesians 2. That's one. So read it to us. And I'll turn to Philippians chapter 3 while you're there, while you're going there. So Ephesians 2. Uh, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is, a, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here's the Apostle Paul who wrote that, also wrote Philippians, and in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote much of the New Testament. And he says in verse 9, uh, he says he, he hopes to gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law. Paul wasn't counting on his own righteousness in order to uh, assume that he would have eternal life, that he would be saved. People, if you're listening to this webcast today, if you're a good person, if you uh, are kind to sick people, if you take uh, food to your neighbor when your neighbor is sick, if you try to avoid cussing most of the time, if you... Um, don't steal and you don't tell lies except when you kind of need to. If you think of yourself as, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. Okay, have you ever sinned? If you have sinned, then you know what you've done? You've separated yourself. What was the first sin, guys? I'm asking you, you guys. <laughs> the, the, the eating of the fruit by Eve and, and Adam. And and. So, all right, let's just think about this. God said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat fruit from that particular tree. And Eve ate it. How many of us have done something at least as bad as that? I have. Me too. What was the consequence of eating the fruit that God said don't eat? What was the, what was the consequence of that? They were driven out of the garden. Driven out of the garden. And what's that say to us about God's attitude towards sin. Well, the other consequence is that they were going to die. Going to die, yeah. Now, a, go ahead. I was just going to say, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols is the same question. And, and of course, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is none. Yeah. And so the thing that so many people in the world don't understand today is our problem is, is that we have separated ourselves from God by virtue of the things we've done wrong. It's not the things that we've done right that are going to get us to heaven. It's the things that are we've done wrong that are going to keep us out of heaven. And doing right is not going to fix that. And, and so we need to, we need, what we need is forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong. Yeah, Chase, you were going to try to say something there. Yeah, the other thing, I mean, we can talk all about, you know, finding and running across people who say, well, I, I do good deeds and I'm a good person. I think the other thing we hear a lot is um, my intentions are good. 
they're they're intending to do a good thing, even though it's not exactly what the Bible says. Their intentions are what is good enough. And what do we know the Bible says about that? Yes. Saul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was known as Saul, and he was somebody whose intentions were good. He thought he was doing the right thing. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 14, he says, This I confess to you, that after the way which they call a sect, referring to the followers of Jesus, so serve I the God of our fathers, believing all things which are according to the law and which are written in the prophets. Uh, I'm reading the wrong passage. I'm reading the wrong passage. Um, Here it is. It's in uh, chapter 26 and verse 9, where he said, I barely thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on to talk about the way he persecuted the followers of Jesus. But he didn't do it because he was trying to be a bad person. He did it because he didn't believe Jesus was the true Messiah. And he thought he ought to oppose the followers of this imposter. Um, His intentions were good. All right, so if if, if good intentions aren't enough, if my good deeds aren't enough, and they're not enough because the problem is I've sinned. And my sin separates me from God just as surely as Adam and Eve were driven from the garden when they ate a fruit that God said, don't eat. The solution is not to do a bunch of good things. What's the solution to the problem that I have? But before we go to that, Chase, you had mentioned Isaiah 59 before we went live with the webcast this afternoon. Sure, yeah. Isaiah 59, I believe, is one of our foundational passages to deal with this type of thing. Um, And it uses an analogy that is really easy to to grasp and understand. Isaiah 59 in verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. And I think we can all relate to that at some point. You know, I, I surely have met people who are hard of hearing, um, there's a good friend of mine I went to Sierra Leone with, Greg Gravitt. He was very hard of hearing, and that, that was frustrating. And that, that's not the Lord's problem. That He can hear just fine, and if Greg's listening, he'll know I'm cutting up with him. But that's not the problem. He goes on to say in verse 2, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You know, before we leave this this topic, this part of our discussion this afternoon, the idea that forgiveness is necessary and that we're not justified by our works. I'm not justified just because I'm a good person. There is a segment of Protestantism from, from which we hear this a lot, right? What, where do, who do we, if we start talking about religious people, churchgoers, Who is it that we so often hear stressing the fact that we're not saved by our works? Who is it that we hear that from so often? There's a number of them. Are you talking about Calvinism or that? Calvinist? Calvinists are quick to say you're not saved by your works. Uh, I've Someone in my family, they're Baptists, they say the same thing. A lot of Baptists are quick to say you're not saved by your works. And when they say that, very often what they are doing is they're trying to say, you're not saved by your works, therefore baptism is not important. They're trying to say, you're not saved by your works, therefore baptism cannot be a condition of salvation. And one of the things that they will then turn around and do is they'll say, if you think baptism is necessary for your salvation, then what does that mean about all these really good and religious people who haven't been baptized for the remission of sins. 
You're saying they're lost? No, they are. They're saying they're lost because they're not saved by good works. That, that, that's right. But then they're turning it around and they're saying that, well, surely they're saved because they're so good and so religious. Being religious and being good is not going to save any of us. The most pious Baptist that you could ever meet will not be saved because he's pious or good because he's sinned and he needs forgiveness. Right? Which you know, sometimes I don't know if you want to get as basic as this, but or as granular as this, but uh, what some some people don't sin today. Oh, who's that? I don't know, but I've been told that they don't sin. I've been told that. Well, so I think it's a question of defining. Well, what do you mean by sin? You know, most people, most people. That, that, well, that's true. But most people I run into, you know, we have this. It's it's a it's a truism that we've all grown up with. Nobody's perfect. We're all most of us are all quick to say that. Oh yeah, I've I've sinned. I've we just don't think my sins are as bad as somebody else's. We just don't think my sins are bad enough to keep me out of heaven. Joe, you start to say something. Well, I was just thinking about the passage where you were just a little bit ago uh, with the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. You know, that, that's the whole question there is what can I do to have eternal life, uh, treasure in heaven, kingdom of heaven, uh, ultimately be saved. Uh, you know, those are the phrases that are used through that text. And if there were anybody that was religious enough to, to be saved, you know, this guy, he's kept the commandments from his youth up. Uh, you know, what else does he lack? Uh, you know, the, the, his, his crime is that he's a rich man. It, it seems like, you know, uh, he's a successful businessman or whatever. And Jesus says, go and share that. The disciples are shocked when Jesus then says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then who can be saved? I mean, rich people can get in anywhere. Uh, uh, but who, who can be saved? The point is, nobody can be saved. With men, it is impossible, verse 26. And so the, the whole idea of doing enough good deeds to, uh, you know, tip the scales uh, or something like that, that's, that's not possible with men. We yeah. have to be saved by God. You, you were breaking up a little bit, Joe, there. So I just want to reiterate the concluding part of that just so everybody gets it. Uh, and, and this guy, this rich young ruler, is apparently a good person. He says, I've kept all the commandments from my youth up. Um, but, but there's this statement when, when the disciples say, well, then if he can't be saved, if a rich person can't be saved, who can be? That, this guy, you'd have thought he would be. And to repeat what Joe just said in verse 26, Jesus looking upon them said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All right. So if it's, if it's impossible but with God has somehow made a way. With God, it's possible. Let's let's shift gears a little bit now and talk about what is that way? How is it that any of us can be saved? Jesus Christ. Why Jesus Christ, Joe? Why why does it have to be Jesus Christ? Why can it not be Muhammad? Why can it not be Buddha? Why can it not be me just being a good person? Why Jesus Christ? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way. He's the only way. All right, so Jesus claims he's the only way. Why? And it goes back to forgiveness. Why is it it has to be through Jesus? Well, he's, he proved he's the way by being raised from the grave and never dying again. 
So Lazarus was re- oh oh and never dying again. Okay, all right. But so how does that change the fact that I am a sinner? I'm guilty of sin. I've done things that are wrong. How does that change that? He paid the price for us. He, his his sacrifice is an atoning uh, uh, measure by which we can come into fellowship with the Father. Okay. All right. Let's let's use Peter's words over in First Peter chapter two. And uh, Peter's talking about the suffering that Jesus did in going to the cross. And it says in verse 24 of 1 Peter chapter 2, referring to Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. What does that mean? And what does that have to do with forgiveness? The idea that he bear our sins in his body on the tree. What's the point of that? Well, it took a death. It takes a death for atonement of sin. And under the old covenant, the blood, the blood of bulls and goats moved them forward, but not really removed them from existence, the sin. And it took a perfect sacrifice to take care of this, of the requirement of, of sin. So you use the word atonement, and we, we can refer to that sacrifice as an atoning sacrifice. I didn't know this until just, uh, oh, it's probably been 10 years ago, maybe less, maybe five, six, seven years ago. Uh, atonement has an interesting etymology. Um, you guys probably know this. What's etymology? You mean the English word that we have? <laughs> yeah, Drew says, what's an etymology? <laughs> it's a person who studies insects. Uh, <laughs> it's the study of Yeah, the English word atonement. Yeah, so to break it down, at-one-ment, I think is a pretty good way to think about it. That's where it comes from. I didn't realize that that is actually where the word atonement comes from. It is a combination of at, one, and munt. And the idea is that we are separated from God by our sins, and we need to be at one with God. We need to be reconciled to God. And for that to happen, there has to be an atoning sacrifice. Jesus has to, to take our sins in his body upon the tree so that our sins have been punished, our sins have been atoned for, and God can look at us and he can say, all right, I've dealt with your sin. Now they're no more. I'll remember them no more. And then we can stand righteous before God. So I can be a religious person, but unless I come to God through Jesus Christ, it, my all right, religion... All right, Jeff, Jeff, I believe. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, therefore I've got forgiveness of sins. Yeah. I, just, I just came to him. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Paul argues in Romans, the sixth chapter in Galatians. You've thrown me a softball. Thank you, Drew. Paul, <laughs> Paul argues in Romans 6, and he argues in Galatians chapter 3, and he argues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are baptized into Christ. Uh, so we become a part of Christ. In fact, Paul argues in Romans chapter 6, we are baptized into Christ's death. We become a part of Christ's death. And that's Romans chapter 6. Is it verse 3 or verse 2? Uh, let me look it up here real quickly here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Are you ignorant that all we who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We become a part of Jesus' death when we are baptized in. Because God said so. Somebody can say, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why do I have to be baptized? God said so. Do you have faith? you think that faith's going to save you? If you have faith, you're going to put your trust in what God says. That has that. That has that one. Uh, at one, I like that. At one minute, mm-hmm. in order to get in God, in order to be one with God, we got to get into His 
son's death. And the only way you can get into his death is through this uh, burial. Because that's what God says. Yeah. Chase, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to add on, uh, why do I need to be baptized? Why would God have me do that? I mean, Naaman was asking the same question. Why should I, why should I have to go to the Jordan of all places? So, right, exactly. Here was this, this Syrian leper, a commander of the army in Syria, and he's told he can be cleansed if he'll go to some prophet in Israel. So he goes over there, and he's told, dip in the River Jordan seven times. And he thinks, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. If I got to dip in some river, I could have done it in rivers back home. But he had to humble himself and do what God said. Yeah, Drew? You said before, a few minutes ago, just a minute ago, that, oh, that sounds silly to me about the baptism. Mm -hmm. Well, the cross was foolishness to the Gentiles. It was very foolish to them. Well, that's what I'm saying today. If I say, well, that's very foolish to me. Why do I have to be bothered with that? Yeah, why, why, why do I need somebody who died 2,000 years ago in, in the Middle East on a cross, on a Roman cross, why do I need that death in order to be saved? Well, here's why. Because that is the death that is going to pay the price for my sins. And God, being a righteous and just God, must punish my sin. He can't just accept me into eternal life. And if, and if we're not willing, and if someone's not willing to do what they need to, to have their sins washed away, I would submit that they don't understand who Jesus the Christ is in the first place. We, I, I think there's something to that. You know, so, so many people believe they do know what it means to have faith in Jesus, but then they don't want to do what he says. Uh, what, what does it mean to make Christ your Lord? What does it mean to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart? Um, you know what you guys are doing, though? You guys have been keep going back to the scriptures. Let's get to the uh, the creeds, the creed books. Don't, don't, you, don't we have creed books? Well, I, I'll do you one better than that. What about people on the other side of the world who are Hindu? Um, of course, they're not part of Christianity, so can't they be saved by being a good Hindu? Well, I think it's interesting that even the Jews in Jesus' day and in the day of the apostles needed to make changes um, and the message for all the world. Uh, so as appealing as some emotional arguments might be, we have to stick with what God has said. Right. Right. Um, so, okay. But and let's, let's kind of address this question though. The Muslims worship a God and they would say he's the same God that, that we worship. And they would say they're doing what God has said. So, so maybe they're saved that way. Well, that's coming from Muhammad. And uh, was Muhammad raised from the dead? Oh, who says you have to be raised from the dead to be a savior? Well, I'll tell you what. If somebody really reversed death and came back out of the grave, I'm going to listen to everything that man says. <laughs> okay. You have a point there. But... Um, Holly, Holly's watching us. She, she's going back to the point that we, we made earlier about we've all sinned. Uh, and somebody, I, I think, Drew, this is when you were talking about some people who say they haven't sinned. Holly says, the Bible says, he who says he has no sin is a liar. Of course, that's in um, 1, John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then also 1 John 1, 8, we deceive ourselves if we say that. Uh, so, so, and that's, that's backtracking back to the idea that we've all sinned. All right, so we've all sinned. We need, but what about the, the, the Muslim who he sinned, but he, he starts doing what God says? 
guys, I'm just going back to the same point we, we made earlier. We're not going to be saved by um, doing some good things. We're not going to be saved by doing what we think God says, or even if it is what God says in regard to how we treat our neighbor and so forth, we're not going to be saved by that from our sins. To be saved from our sins, our sins need to be eradicated. They need to be removed. How does that happen? Well, the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to me. Uh, no one comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because he is the sacrifice. There's another passage where Peter kind of says something similar, right? Where Peter says, uh, there's no other name under heaven in which uh, we must be saved. Where's that? Acts 4, verse 12. Yeah. Take us there. So Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin council for having committed the horrible crime in chapter three of raising a lame man. Uh, (laughs) They were were arrested for that criminal act and for preaching Jesus. Uh, Standing before the Sanhedrin the next day, then Acts 4 verse 5, they begin to uh, be threatened and Peter and John speak with great boldness that could only come from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, they're told, you know, not to, not to speak. And, and, you know, they're being questioned by what power, by what authority have you done that? And Peter said, well, let me tell you about that authority, by that power, yeah. uh, by the power of Jesus Christ. And the, there is uh, no, uh, nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And going back to the point you were making earlier, Joe, you were talking about the fact that in the first century, the gospel of Jesus Christ was being preached to Jews and, and this kind of ties in with this, because I think the point you were getting at is this. Uh, in, in today's world, it's not uncommon for people to have the idea that there are different world religions. And, okay, Christians need Jesus. But we shouldn't expect uh, Muslims to have to be saved by Jesus because they're from a different culture, as if Jesus was just part of Western culture, even though he was a Jew in, in the Middle East. Uh, and they'll think, and Judaism, that's a different religion. And, and there are people who just think that it's, it's bigoted and racist and everything else to try to convert a Jew to Christianity. Um, and their idea is, sure, if you Christians want to have your thing, that's fine. But the Jews have their thing. But here is Peter, who is a Jew, speaking to an audience of Jews. Were they religious people? These people that Peter's speaking to, were they religious people? Oh, yeah, they're very religious people. Yeah, he's before the priests and the, and the Sanhedrin made up of Jews, Sadducees, and Pharisees, and, and they're religious people. And he's telling them the only way you can be saved is, is Jesus. That's the only name in which there is salvation. And that's because this is not following Jesus Christ. Christianity is not just a cultural thing, a Western thing. Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have eternal life. Chase. Yeah, I was just going to add, touching on Joe's comment as well, what what these Jews were looking for in the time of Jesus was their idea of the Messiah, what he was going to be like. And isn't it ironic that that's what we see today as well? People looking what I'm going to find in my Savior, and I don't want to follow that, that Jesus guy. That's not really my thing, but I want to follow this Messiah. That's who I'm looking for. And things really haven't changed. And it made a difference because the one who died, and as Drew's been emphasizing, was raised from the dead, validating himself to be the true Christ. That's the one who can take away our sins. Yeah. Think about in other passages here, even in the book of Acts, 
uh, in Acts, we have the Sanhedrin Council. Well, maybe they weren't the most sincere people uh, as we examine their lives. But what about that mob in Acts, the second chapter? Extremely religious people traveled for miles and miles to come to Jerusalem for this feast. And Peter tells them they need to repent. Or And to think about that idea of going to other cultures in Acts 17, uh, when Paul is traveling through and he sees all these different idols, he doesn't simply say, well, this is their culture. This is this is gods that they're worshiping. One god's as good as another or whatever the case. No, he says, let me tell you about this unknown God. Uh, and he begins to proclaim to them the Jesus who died and, as Drew said, was raised from the dead. When they heard raised from the dead, they sneered at that. But that's the difference. Is It's not just one religion is as good as another. One human religion is as good as another, but they're all worthless. Uh, it's it's what God, through Christ, is offering us. Only some of them, a uh, uh, majority, I think, sneered at them, but there were yeah. some who then, what, accepted? Yeah. They accepted the evidence, because in that, in fact, what he's saying to them, this Jesus who raised, God raised from the dead is an assurance. In order for it to be an assurance, that means it better be factual. It better be something that I can prove. Right. And and, and he commands all men everywhere to repent there as well. Uh, it's a pretty inclusive statement there in Acts uh, 17. What is it, uh, 30 and 31 or so? Well, that part of inclusiveness people don't like. You see, <laughs> it's not politically correct to go to that level of inclusiveness. Sure. All right, so let's kind of review what we've said here, and then let's let's move a step forward. We've all sinned, and being a good person isn't going to fix that problem. Our sin separates us from God. We need forgiveness. Secondly, that forgiveness is in Jesus because he died to pay the price for the sins we've committed. That's what's going to take away our sin is the death of Jesus Christ. So we need to be in Christ. That's why Jesus can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, because it's his sacrifice that takes away sin. And so now let's let's kind of, instead of just talking about different world religions, let's zero in on what is often referred to as Christianity or Christendom, all various different denominations. Um, it, there are a lot of different denominations, religious denominations, that would be classed as Christian, uh, wherein people believe they're being saved by Jesus. Uh, what about all these different denominations? It, it, can I just kind of pick any? Okay, if I believe in Jesus, I get baptized, I can just pick any denomination I want, and that's okay? Well, if, if, if that group you're going to meet with continues on that same road that you are, that you want to really know what Jesus is teaching and what is there a pattern to the type of worship that God accepts? Then I will find some group. But the denominations you're talking about, by the mere fact that they are denominated from one another, they have different methods of worship, different methods of theology. Let me ask the question a different way. If I say all, all religion is good, or if I say if I'm religious, God will accept that, and then somebody says, well, wait a minute. Muslims are religious, Buddhists are religious, Hindus are religious, and they're they're not going to have forgiveness unless they come to God through Christ. We've already talked about that. And I go, okay, 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 okay. 
All religions that profess Christ are okay. God will accept any religion as long as it's about Christ. Let's go back to that story in Genesis chapter 3. We talked about that first sin. We talked about the fact all they did was eat some fruit that God said not to eat. And, and then in the very next chapter, we've got a murder that takes place, which seems like a much bigger sin to us. That murder was the result of some jealousy because one son, Cain, was envious of the fact that God viewed his brother's sacrifice as acceptable. Abel offered uh, a sacrifice, one of, the, one of his animals from his flocks. Cain offered a sacrifice, some of the crops he had raised. God approved of one of those sacrifices and not the other. And so Cain was bent out of shape enough about that, that he kills his brother Abel. What does that tell us about the idea that, well, as, as long as I'm religious, caveat, as long as it's professing Christ, uh, God's going to accept that? Well, well certainly. Right, right away, that God accepts a worship that maybe the way I'm doing it, he's not going to accept it. So I have to figure out, well, what is the way God wants to accept my work? What is the type of worship that God wants to accept? The, the very idea of the word worship, you know, either bowing the knee toward or, or kissing the hand, uh, it's in deference or, or it's in respect to the other person. And so it needs to be that, you know, I'm doing this to please God, not what I think is okay. Uh, I need to be seeking to be pleasing to the Lord. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's sit on that. So both of these guys were religious. Both Cain and Abel were religious. Who, who could deny that? Both directed their sacrifice to God. But we are told that Abel's sacrifice was by faith. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, uh, verse 3, I think it is, verse 3 or 4. It, if Abel's sacrifice was by faith, that is apparently in contrast to Cain's sacrifice. What does that tell us if it was by faith? Well, Romans 11, or Romans 10, 17, Paul says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Apparently, Abel had a word from God, and he acted in accordance with that word from God, else it couldn't have been by faith, and we're told it was by faith. And so Cain's was not. So they're both religious, they're both offering sacrifices directed toward God, but if what I am doing religiously is not by faith, not according to the word that God has revealed to me, my worship's not going to be acceptable. My religion is going to be pointless. Fair, fair statement? Absolutely fair statement. You know, uh, Holly made a couple of comments earlier from 1 John. I think that really works we're kind of coming back full circle to, to this, uh, you know, three times in first John, uh, John writes, if we say, and then three times in, uh, first John two, he says, uh, uh, he who says there's a, there's a distinction between what we say and what we do you know, we can say that we're walking in the light. We can say that we don't have sin, but the truth is, are we doing what, God's word says that we could do. Uh, seldom do you see people, you know, freely admitting, 
I'm worshiping God in a way that he doesn't like. Uh, you know, people don't walk around sort of boasting in that very often. Yeah. Uh, but, but what they want to do is worship God their way, which just doesn't work. That, that's not good. Uh, this is not good gra- spiritual grammar, I guess. You don't worship God your way. Oh, that is so true, though. How often do, do people go looking to go church shopping and they're looking for uh, a, a church that will that they will fit in with? They're, they're looking for a church that they like. They're looking for a church that suits their expectations. Jeff, uh, looks like someone in the audience raised their hand and we were announcing it yesterday. We almost had someone yesterday. If you raise your hand, you click it on the app. You can ask us a question with your audio. Have you ever oh. done that before? Oh, I haven't. No. Are you ready to try that? All right, sure. Uh, well, the hand's gone. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't know if Noah took the hand away or the viewer took their hand away. But All right. So I, hand, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, the, the host has to say, okay, we'll move you to an attendee without the video on, and then they just start talking. Oh, okay. All right. Let's we'll try that. That sounds good. Yeah, no, that I think the viewer changed his mind. He didn't realize that that's what the hand meant. So you might want to make that announcement more often. One of our viewers, Karen, says, I want to follow the one whom we will worship around the throne. We can find him only through his word. Yeah, Joe. I, I love that connection. You know, it, it seems like at least when I read that phrase, my mind immediately goes to the book of Revelation and, you know, being around the throne. But you look at from chapter four of Revelation, the, the throne scene and, you know, chapter five and chapter seven, those that are around the throne. But right before that, you've got chapters two and three of these seven different churches, and you've got some pretty good examples of people who are worshiping God their way, uh, you know, worshiping God in, you know, whether it's following uh, uh, the Jezebel there or the Balaam there or whatever the case, um, but they, they were fine until they received this rebuke. All right, so we've got a good question here. I'm not sure we're going to have time to to deal with this, but maybe we can succinctly deal with this. Holly Green says, what if someone is a member of the Baptist church, has been baptized for the remission of their sins, and is doing everything the Bible says? First of all, I don't believe it matters who baptizes me. If somebody is truly baptized for the remission of sins, if somebody is truly baptized into Christ, that's that person's understanding, regardless of what the person who baptizes them understands. Uh, okay, then you've been baptized in Christ. The power is not in the in the in the power of the baptizer; it's in Christ. And I am I I am I become a part of Christ when I do what Christ said. Uh, they're not. There are a lot of people in the Baptist Church who have been baptized, but they've not been baptized for the remission of sins. They've been baptized because they come with a testimony that they've already been baptized. That's official Baptist doctrine, that that you're saved the moment you believe, you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and you have to do that first, and then you can join the Baptist denomination by being baptized. Or getting voted on. Or getting, yeah, and getting voted on, right? I guess you get voted on first and then baptized. That's what right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So very many people in the Baptist denomination who've been baptized have not been baptized for the remission of sins. But let's suppose, and I've met people like this, that you, all you know is you've grown up in a Baptist church or you've walked into a Baptist church 
about the time you start getting serious about wanting to inquire of, of the Word of God, and you start studying your Bible, and it's not going to be the Baptist pastor who's going to tell you you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, but you read that in Scripture, and you are baptized for the remission of your sins. There are other things now you need to be doing that if you stay in the Baptist church, you're not going to be doing, and thus you're not going to be doing everything the Bible says if you stay in the Baptist church. Uh, we'll have to talk about that. Maybe we'll come back to that next week. Um, but I think we're out of time. Yeah, Drew, get, get a last yeah, comment. Out, yeah. uh, one of the viewers actually uh, submitted a, a statement from the website, so I just wanted to read that. But that viewer, you could also just click the Q&A box in the app, and I think that's what they wanted to do before. In the Q&A box, you've got the text uh, box that you can ask us questions. But the, the statement that Harv makes is in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And that, that relates to what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, we're out of time for today, uh, so uh, we'll have to talk more uh, next week about some of these things. And I'm not sure what all topics we'll have on the agenda, what we'll have on the plate for next week. But thank you for watching today. And until next week, uh, be studying God's word.